For me, it was freshman year of college. I found myself in tears, broken, heartbroken, on the floor of my dorm room. And I knew for the first time that I needed someone and something bigger than myself. I couldn't handle the heartache all on my own. And it was at the same time that I started attending a campus ministry and I heard and saw that there was a God who wanted a relationship with me and it began to become personal. The first time that I pursued a personal relationship with the Lord was in Matanzas, Cuba, when I was rebaptized. It's at that point when I got to choose to pursue a close and personal relationship with my Lord. So as a kid, eight years old, living, having a great life, Akron, Ohio, wonderful family, all of a sudden, parents sit me down, we're getting a divorce. Young kid, faith in God, but no idea what to do with it. Feeling like the entire bottom is being pulled out of my life. You better believe in that moment, I realized how personal this relationship with God really is. As I sat there crying on the floor, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do and what God is even doing in my life. He leaned in, held me, moved me to another level, and I realized exactly just how personal this thing really is. When I first encountered Jesus, I was at a Christian camp and we were worshiping, singing the song Reckless Love. And I remember at the time I was going, asking myself some tough questions and going through some tough situations. And I remember singing and hearing the Lord's voice and having this rush of love and comfort. So I moved to the United States in 1998, and a few years later, I found myself in Panama uh, on a mission trip. And the last three days of my trip, I was there all by myself. My team had left, and I was waiting to see an immigration officer um, to be able to come back into the United States. I will say those three days were some of the longest, hardest days, because I had no idea what was happening next, what would happen next. I will say in the anxiety and in the unsure nature of my life at the time, the Lord spoke very clearly during that time as I was praying and as I was reading scripture, it was as if he was right there with me. That's all I could have asked. Uh, yeah, I was in a 24 hour prayer room in Chichester, England, fresh out of high school. And I was just at a broken, just state. I was questioning my beliefs. Um, and there I was praying, reading my Bible, praying for the community and God met me there. And that's the only time in my whole life, I, I swear on everything that I heard his voice audibly. Um, it gives me goosebumps just talking about it because it just doesn't happen. But from that moment on, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God wanted to know me on a personal level. Um, there we are. I love that. Here we are. Here we are. It's Easter Sunday, you guys. I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here. So, so glad to get to be sharing Easter with all of you. Um, you guys, we had a choir, a choir. We haven't had a choir here in the nine years that we've done this since. So we had a choir this Sunday morning. I love it that we had to have that. For you guys that have an obstructed view, I'm really sorry that you do. I mean, this, the people that designed the Sam's Club were not planning on a thousand people on, a, on an Easter Sunday being in here. Um, so, so I'll try to walk around the pillar to see you guys. Um, but we just, we love it. We love it that you guys are here on this Sunday. 
This is the foundation of our faith, you guys. When, we, when Jackie and I, as we've watched our house getting rebuilt, we, it took forever to finally get a hole in the ground and then to get a permit to be able to get to the foundation and then to finally get that foundation poured. But once the foundation was poured, everything else was, was, was going up really fast. Things, things have been going fast since then. You know, the walls start going up, the, the drywall starts going up. It's, it's, everything is built on that foundation. And that's why we celebrate today because everything we've got is built on this foundation of this event that happens on this Easter Sunday. The event of the cross and not just the cross, but then the resurrection Because of that, because of what Jesus did in conquering death, that's the event for us that we build everything on. The church is built on that. The Bible that we know of is built on this truth about the resurrection. And if you call yourself a Christ follower, my belief, everything that I believe in is fully weighed down and put down on the foundation that Jesus lived and died and rose from the grave. And because of that, I get to be in relationship with Jesus. So, so all of that foundation is put in place there. Even if you don't believe it, even if you're somebody that's saying, well, I, 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 I wouldn't call myself a, a Christian. The beauty is that that even if you're in that kind of waiting for the permit or you're waiting for the hole to be dug, whatever, whatever it is, we know that Jesus is pursuing you. And we know that there will be or there very well could be a day that you too, which put your, your weight down and build on the foundation of the event that happened this day. I love it. And that's why, we, that's why we love being able to share with all of you. That's why we love it that, that if, you're, if you're a neighbor that got dragged here today and you did not want to come and you're going, why am I here? Why am I singing these songs? We love it that you're here because Jesus has got something in store for you guys. The, the video that we just watched, it, it talked about um, when did it become personal, okay? Now, that's a, that's a very personal question. It's a very positive question, but it can be looked at as negative, right? Sometimes you just go, hey, careful, you just made that personal, or I take that personally. You know, here's an example of that. Ask the person next to you how much money they make. Go ahead, ask them how much they make. See, 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 now, now it's no fair if you're talking to your family. Well, even them, they probably don't know. But your, your response is, hey, that's a little personal. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's harder for us to read the positive and it's personal. It's like, it's like, um, like, like, the Yukon Huskies just ran through the NCAA tournament and along their way, they ran over my Gonzaga Bulldogs, okay? When somebody comes to me and says, the Zags will never win the national championship. They're too soft or they can't win the big one. I take that personally. The reason why I do is because I grew up in Spokane. And in Spokane, we don't have an MLB team, an NFL team, an NBA team, an NHL team. We just have the Zags. That's all we got. And so when we, when we are rooting for the Zags, it's a part of us that's rooting for them. So if you're going to say something against that, I take that personally. But think about it for you guys that have spouses. When you, when you, are, when you get married and you're gonna, it's the first few years of marriage, you, you're, you might hear your wife say something like, my parents are so crazy. My parents, man, they just, it's hard for me to, to be around them sometimes. They're just the way they're thinking. Or, or my sister drives me nuts. My spouse can say that. But if five minutes later in the conversation, I'm saying that, I'm saying, Jackie, your parents, man, they drive me crazy. I can't say that. 
Jackie can, but I can't. And by the way, Mike and Bibi, I've never once said that about you guys. If you're watching online, I think you're the greatest. Jackie has said that about you guys, but I have not. Okay, because I don't want you to take it personally. Okay, but she could say, man, be careful, that's personal. And the reason why she'd say it is because there's a deep investment that's there, a deep investment. You know, I found another one that you could take personally is grocery shopping. Okay, I learned this one the hard way. Jackie and I are sitting there for breakfast one day and we were having a really fancy breakfast that day. We were having Eggos and, and it wasn't the real Eggos, it was the, those, those imitation Eggos. And so, you know, the ones that just taste like freezer burn, those, you, 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 you had the imitation Eggos and it was cheap butter and it was cheap syrup. And I said to Jackie, I said, Jackie, when we splurge like this and we have a really nice fancy meal like this one, can we at least get the real Eggos? Just get the real ones? I soon found out you can take grocery shopping personally because Jackie's going, now, wait a minute. I'm the one that went to buy that. I'm the one that picked it out. I'm the one that brought it home. I'm the one that put it in the freezer. There's some investment there. There's, a, there's some skin in the game. And because there's some skin in the game, you can take it personally. I soon realized if I want real Egos, I got to go to Costco and get that 64 pack of Egos. I have to be the one that does it. And so, so you, can, you can take it personally. Well, why am I talking about that? Because you guys, Easter, it's strange how we've made it such a ritual. It's just what you're supposed to do. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while and you go, ah, it's Easter though, I'm supposed to go at Easter. It becomes just a habit. Well, here's my question. What if we took it personal? Not in a negative way, but in a really positive way, but for the same reasons that I just described. What if we took it personal because, because it's a part of us? It's a part of me. What if you took it personal because there's such a deep-seated investment and a, and a deep-seated relationship that Jesus has with each one of us. What if we took it personal because there's skin in the game? Because Jesus has went all the way to the cross for us and conquered the grave for us and, and our skin in the game and our faith in Him. What if, what if maybe you've been to church a bunch of times on Easter, but this one, you take it personal. This one, you sit there and go, why does God have me in this seat, the seat that you're in right now? Why does God have me in this seat? What if it's because he wants you to take this story personal? See, 2,000 years ago, the group of people that were closest to Jesus absolutely did that with everything that was happening throughout his ministry. They knew that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but it's at the same time, Jesus had the uncanny ability of doing something macro for the entire world, not one person exempt of his love, and at the same time, going to them and making them feel like he's only talking to me. This is personal. My hope after this Easter is that you guys walk out of this building and you say, you know what? He did it and he did it for me. Today, what we wanna do as, we, as I unpack this is I'm gonna preach a little different way than what I normally would for those of you guys that are used to coming to Ascent. I, I, I'm gonna, I just wanna live in that story. I wanna share it from, a, from the perspective of the people that were there. 
Let them tell the story of what it was like for Jesus to be so personal with them. So, so let's live in that story. And the hope would be that as you hear it, you might be going, you know what? Yep, that's me. And no, that, that's me. And in the midst of that story, we can start to lean in. This is personal. Father, I pray that today as we step into to your, to, to your story, God, I pray that each one of us would, would um, lean in. Even if we've heard it a thousand times, we'd lean in and recognize that what he did for the masses, he did for me. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what happened, you guys. 2,000 years ago, Jesus comes to this earth. He lives on this earth. The Son of God lives on this earth. He, for about 30 years before he started his ministry, had about three years. His, 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 uh, his primary part of his ministry happened in about three years. After those three years, he, he dies on a cross, stretches out his arms, dies on a cross. That's what we celebrate on Good Friday. Jesus takes the crown of thorns, the holes in his side and his, and his hands and his feet. He, he dies on the cross. They put him in the tomb. They put him in Joseph Arimathea's tomb. And then on the third day, the tomb is empty. It's rolled away and it's victory. Everyone thought it was loss, but it's victory. It's the victory that death doesn't win. It's the victory that separation from God doesn't win. And it's, it's the victory for all of us. Well, the, Jesus appeared then for the next 40 days, okay? For 40 days, he's talking to lots of different people, tons of sightings of, of Jesus and people sharing their individual experiences of what they saw when Jesus had appeared before them. And then Jesus ascends. He ascends into heaven and he sits right before he ascends. He challenges his people and then he, and then he ascends. Now, a strange little moment happened here that Dr. Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the ones that set out to write about the life of Jesus. And Luke kept going with what's called Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Disciples. And in Acts, what, we, what they share is that when Jesus ascended, within hours of when Jesus ascended, a group of people got together. They got back together in the upper room. It was the ones that were closest to Jesus. It was Matthew and Philip and Andrew and Peter and James and John and, and, and Bartholomew and Thaddeus. It was, the, it was 11 disciples, not 12 because Judas wasn't there. It was 11 disciples. It was also Susanna and Joanna and Salome and Mary and Mary and Mary. There's so many Marys in the story. And, and they all got together. We don't know exactly what was said. We don't know why they did. They just said after the ascension, they all got together in the upper room, it says in Acts. Can you picture what they talked about? As they reflected on what just happened with the ascension, as they looked back on what happened over those 40 days, what happened when he rose on that first Easter Sunday, what happened on Good Friday, what happened that week, what happened over those three years, can you picture their reflection? What was all of that about? You can picture Peter standing up first because he always was the first one to do anything. Peter standing up, he says, you know what's so remarkable about it all? How personal it all was. It was personal from the very beginning. 
It was personal when I first, when I was sitting on that boat on the Sea of Galilee and I'm cleaning my nets and the nets were all, that, that, that there was nothing in them. And there was no, I was cleaning nets that didn't even touch fish the night before. It was a horrible night of fishing. James, you were there and John was there and Andrew, we were all there at the Sea of Galilee and, and I'm trying to clean these nets. I'm super frustrated. And this guy comes walking along on the shore and he steps into my boat. And you could picture Jesus just saying, I mean, picture Peter just saying, and, and, and you guys, didn't he step into all of our lives that way? He didn't wait for us to step into his life. He stepped right in the middle of our life. He steps into that boat and, and he starts preaching in my boat. And then as crazy as, as it is, this carpenter from Nazareth tells a fisherman from Galilee how to fish. He tells me, take it out a little bit further and throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You're going to catch something. And we caught so much fish that we almost drowned. We all, we, 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 the boat was taken on water. And it was at that point for me that I knew this was going to be personal. You can picture Matthew interrupting him. And Matthew just saying, saying, wait a minute, Peter, you're someone that everyone loved. And of course it was personal for you, but I'm the one that nobody loved. I'm the tax collector sitting on the shore about to tax you for the fish you just caught. I'm going to bring some in for the Roman government. I'm going to bring some in for me and I'll bring a little bit more in for me. I cheat you guys. I'm disloyal. If there was anybody that had no business following the son of God, it's me. I'm not a religious type. I'm not a church type. Nobody liked me. I'm not even sure if you guys still like me. But he walked up to me and he said, hey, Matthew, come and follow me. I'm gonna show you a new way to live. It was personal. You can picture Mary Magdalene jumping in at that point and her just going, not to one up you guys, but I think I got the best story. You picture her just going, man, I was all messed up. And Jesus not only healed me, but man, Because of the culture, I was pushed to the margins. The culture didn't honor women. It pushed me to the margins. The culture didn't respect women. It pushed me to the margins. The culture didn't value women at all. It pushed me to the margins. And yet Jesus found me, walked up to me, healed me, invited me. Nobody invited me anywhere. He invited me to walk with him. It was personal, which is why it was so beautiful on that Sunday when you guys were all sitting around just in your place, just kind of sad because we all thought it was over and me and Mary went to the tomb. We thought that there'd be tons of Roman soldiers around. We thought that, that stone would be in the way. And instead we get to the tomb and, it's, and the stone was rolled away. Nobody's there. She, I peeked in and, and the body was gone. I, I was so panicked. I thought for sure somebody stole the body. And I was running back to tell Peter and John. And on my way back, I ran across that gardener. I thought it was a gardener. I said to him, somebody stole our Lord. And he said to me something I'll never forget because this is what Jesus did. He just said, Mary. He called me by name. He's called me by name from the moment I was on the margins till till that moment there. He called me by name. It was personal. 
Now you can picture someone like Philip or, or Andrew or something saying, Mary, you're jumping the gun. There's so many things that happened before that moment that you got to see Jesus and you got to see him first. There's so many other things that happened that when we started going into Jerusalem and, and, and you know, we, we thought it was personal, but man, the masses, that when we walked into Jerusalem and Jesus is riding that donkey and people are putting palm branches down and their coats on the ground, they're treating him like a king. And the masses just kept crowding around us. We couldn't get through the crowds. Finally get to the temple. And, and, we, and at the temple, he just kept preaching to so many people. And finally he made it out of the temple area. And we walked up to the Mount of Olives and he preached from up there. All oh, those days were so long. Monday was so long. Tuesday was so long. Wednesday was so long. It just kept happening day after day. He kept going towards the temple, towards the masses. We sat and watched it all and we could feel the tension in the air as the, as the politicians and the religious people were pressing against him. And then you could picture John stepping up and saying, yeah, but Thursday, after another day of the same stuff that we were doing before, all of a sudden it went back to deeply personal. As we look back on it and we know what happens now, I cannot believe that he chose on his last day on this earth before he died on the cross, I can't believe he chose to just be with us. Remember he said, hey, can I just have dinner with you guys? Let's this Thursday night just have dinner together. Let's, let's, let's find a spot. In fact, I've got a spot for us right in the heart of Jerusalem. Let's just us get together and have a meal. Hey, wouldn't you think that he would have just gone to the, as many people as possible for one last word to them all, but instead he wanted to go to us? We walked to that room and on the way we were fighting over who's the greatest because we just want to know who got to sit next to Jesus. We knew that that's what would happen. Whoever was the greatest got to sit next to him at dinner. So we're fighting over who's the greatest. You can picture Peter stepping up right there and saying, he's saying, yeah, yeah. And when we got there and he took that basin of water out, and he got down on his knee and he starts washing my feet. That's when I stood up and said, what are you doing? This is the person that people have been saying is the king and is saying Hosanna and is saying, this is the, this is the, the, the prince that's coming walking into Jerusalem and he's washing my feet, cleaning the dirty, the, the sweat and grime out of the toes of my feet. What's he doing? This is what the little kids do at the entrance to the building. I told him, do not do this, Jesus. And he came back and said, hey, don't let anybody ever feel below you. Serve them all. Every one of them, serve them all. Serve like I'm serving you. I thought that was his message for the night. But then we had that meal. You can picture John just going, we, we had the meal and, and it was such a great meal. So we, just, we just spread out around that table, had that great meal. And then at this weird point near the end of the meal, he grabbed that loaf of bread and he, and he tore it in half and he said something that we just did not get. He said, my body is gonna be broken for you. What do you mean your body's gonna be broken for us? And then he took that glass of wine. Man, that was good wine right up until he said this. He said, and it's going to be the blood shed for you and for all people so that your sins will be forgiven. I want you to remember this every time you drink this wine. I want you to remember what I've done for you. It's a new covenant that I'm making with you. My blood's going to be shed for you. We're just going, Jesus, okay, we see it now. But at that time, we're going, are you kidding me? What are you talking about? 
talked a little bit longer around the table and he finally said, it's time to go. We got up, man, it was late. Man, we were tired. We walked, out of Jer- we walked out of the streets of Jerusalem and through all those little paths. For some reason, he was being really quiet about it. And for some reason, we, we couldn't find Judas. But we're walking through that path and we're getting up to the Mount of Olives. Thought we were going back camping again at the top of Mount of Olives. Maybe he's going to preach again. But we stopped at that olive grove, at that garden, Gethsemane. A bunch of you guys fell asleep right off the bat. That was pathetic that you guys all fell asleep. But the three of us, we went over here. And, and, and Peter, was, Peter went over here and James went over here. And we were, you could just picture John just going, we were over here with Jesus, but then he went off to pray and then we fell asleep. We were so tired. And then he, then he came back and he woke us up and you could tell he'd been crying. You know that puffy eyes? You could tell he'd been crying. Now that we know what happened, I get why, but man, we didn't get it. What, what's he crying about? And then, and then he said, stay awake. And he went off again, but it's so late by now that we fell back asleep again. And this time he comes back to us again, wakes us up and says, it's time. And man, none of us will forget this moment as we all woke up, as we woke up to the sound of something coming into the garden. It was crazy for us to see it. Roman soldiers, all in their armor, riding horses into the Garden of Gethsemane, into this little olive grove? Why are Roman soldiers coming into an olive grove at midnight tonight? All we're doing is camping out like we've done every other night. Why are they coming? And as we got up, this was the craziest moment of all. You guys remember when Jesus took steps towards it? Now that we know what happened, now that we know what he's going to face, why didn't he run? Why didn't he go the other way? Make a storm happen. Let him just run away. But instead he walked towards it and we walked with him. And as he got closer to those Roman soldiers, we started to see who else was with them. There he is. There's Judas. We walked right up to, to, to them and Jesus didn't, didn't shy away. He walked right up to them. And in the greatest irony of personal that Judas gave Jesus a kiss and then he was arrested. You can picture Peter at this point saying, this is the worst part of personal because as personal as it was, this is why it hurts so much. And man, could I, if I could erase 24 hours of my life, this would be the 24 hours. He walks, he, he's, he's walks with Jesus for a while. They take him away. They, he goes to that, to that, to that uh, trial and they're, and they're, they're listening to the trial and it's just a mockery. There's no justice there. And as I'm listening to that trial, that little girl comes walking up to me and she says, hey, do you know Jesus? And I didn't know what to say. I thought if I said yes, I might be on trial as well. And so instead I said, man, I don't know him. And then that guy walked up to me just a second later and he said, hey, I've seen you walk with Jesus. You're one of those guys. And he said, no, no, no. I, I said, I, I don't know him. And when that third dude walked up to me and he said, you know Jesus. I said, I don't. And I heard that bird crow and I knew this is exactly what Jesus predicted I would do. He told me I'd turn my back on him and I did. In my best friend's greatest hour of need, I acted like I didn't even know him. And I cannot shake that because the next time I see him, 
He's got blood dripping down his face from the crown of thorns that were around his head. His back is shredded from those cat and nine tails. His body is so bruised that I can barely recognize it. And I turn my back on him. And I can't shake that. You can picture John stepping in at that point, just going, Peter, remember all he said. Come on, let's remember all that he said. Remember when he said, my grace is sufficient for you? And when he said that my love, my mercy, my grace, it's sufficient for you. This is what he's talking about. Remember when he said, my peace, I want to leave with you. He doesn't want your heart filled with the, the turmoil of, of, of that guilt. I think this is what he talked about. This is what he was talking about. My peace, I'm leaving with you. Remember when he said that my truth will set you free? The truth of my love for you will set you free from all of the things that you've ever done where you're feeling like you've turned your back on him. Remember when he said that? Remember when he said, my yoke is easy, Peter? Remember that day? He said, my yoke is easy and my burden, it's light. He doesn't want you living in that heaviness. Couldn't you picture John in that moment just going, every bit, those crown of thorns that he put around, that they put around his head, the beat down that he took, when he went before Pontius Pilate, when everyone yelled, crucify him, when he had to carry his cross, when he laid down on that cross and they put nails in his hands and they put nails in his feet, when they raised that cross up in the air, he stretched out his arms, he's stretching it out for, for us. He's stretching it out for us, it was personal. Don't you remember what he said to us? There is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friend. Do you remember that day that he called us friends? It was personal and it always has been personal and it's personal for us right now. Couldn't you see John, who is always the one to totally calling us to Jesus' love, that he's saying, come on, Peter, this is personal. Couldn't you picture Mary at this point, the matriarch, the mother of Jesus, hearing all of it and just going, he's right. See, we're talking about the Son of God. And I've known that from the very beginning. When God first approached me and said, you're going to carry the Son of God in your womb. I knew then there was something special. And I've got to watch the Son of God. I got to hold the Son of God. I got to watch him grow. I got to see him argue with the people in the temple courts. I got to listen to him preach. I got to watch him go marry to the margins that you're talking about. I got to watch him go to the margins. He loved the orphans. He loved the widowed. He loved the poor. He loved the needy. He told us, remember when he talked to us about it and said, I want you to love. It's a new command to love as I've loved you. Man, I'm there and I watched the whole thing. The son of God at work. I got to see it all. And so... Yeah, I cried when he stretched out his arms and died on that cross. But when everyone started talking about that they've seen him, M Mary, when you said that the tomb was empty, Peter and John, when you guys ran to the tomb and saw that it was empty, when everyone started saying, wait, wait, we thought it was a loss and it's a win. When life beat death, that's my son. That's the son of God. Of course, that's what's happening. He did that for all of us. 
Can you picture another guy who hasn't said a word this entire time? A guy named Thomas that, that sat back and listened to it all and said, my story's different. See, my story, I didn't believe it. All of you guys were excited about it. Every one of you could not wait to tell everybody that he had conquered death and he is walking on this earth. And I'm saying, I don't believe a word of it. I'm the one person in the entire place that says, I don't believe it. I don't care what you say, I'll never believe it. Not unless I get to see him and see the holes in his hands and holes in his feet. See, I was the one that, you know how lonely that feels to be the one that doesn't get it and the one that's saying, I don't understand it and my doubt is easily beating my faith. And then there was that day. All you guys had seen him a bunch of times, but that day when he walked into that room and he walked right up to me and he said, Thomas, put your hands in my hands, put your hands in my feet. He didn't come to me with condemnation or judgment. He just came to me and said, I'm here. And my response to him was exactly what all of you guys have been saying. My response to him was, my God, my Lord. It was personal. And finally, couldn't you see Peter? After all that's been talked about and Peter processing everything himself, after everything that he had seen, couldn't you see Peter sitting there going, it was weeks later, you guys, people had seen him, I had seen him, but I hadn't had that interaction with him. And now it's my turn. I see him walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. We're back fishing again. It's the exact same shore that he stepped onto my boat for the very first time when he made it personal on the very first day. It was at that point that I, that I see him on the shore and I jump in, jump in from my boat, couldn't wait to see him, swam as fast as I could, then slowed it down, maybe even do a backstroke. Because I'm going, wait, the last time I talked to him, was when, we, when I had really screwed up. That's when I so disappointed him. And so I went to him so nervous for what he was gonna say to me. And he said to me the most intimate of questions. He just asked me a question, do you love me? And I said, of course I love you, Jesus. And he asked it again, do you love me? I got frustrated, I'm going, come on, Jesus. Yes, I love you. And then he asked me again, do you love me? And I, thought, and I was like, Maybe he's asking me for every time that I messed up, he's asking me, do you love me? Maybe he's saying that it covers it all. You can picture John going, yes, Peter, that's, and you can picture him going, stop, John, this is my turn. And so, so you can picture him just going, no, this is all, yes, Jesus, I love you. And then Jesus responds, then let's go do this. Feed my sheep. Let's go tell the world about it. Peter, I need you to tell the world about it. I need you to tell him that, that my love for you covers every one of the things that you will do that will turn your back on me. Matthew, I need you to tell him. I need you to tell him that when they feel like they're the, the person that, that I'm not here for because you're not religious, tell him that you're exactly who I'm here for and I'm inviting you into this, this adventure with me. Mary, Will you tell them when they feel like they're on the edges, when they've been pushed to the margins, will you tell them that not only do I see them, but that I know them by name and I'm inviting them on this journey. Mom, 
Will you tell him? Will you tell him that my love is as intimate as a mother with her child? Thomas, will you tell him? Will you tell him when they're feeling like they're the only person in this entire place that doesn't get it, that it's not for them, that their doubt is too big, they'll never get to that space. Will you tell them that I love them, I see them, and I'm walking to them right now? See, I think that 2,000 years later, there could be a group of people that start turning it into a, to a ritual, a habit. And will you tell them? Will you guys tell them that it's a part of you? That it's deeply personal? That there's skin in the game? Will you tell them this is personal? Father, I pray that on this, this Sunday morning, this Easter Sunday, I pray that, that as each one of us face whatever we each face, I pray that you would meet us in our chairs right where we are sitting. And we'll, we'll I, know, I know that for most of us, if not all of us, it's really hard if, if we have ever even heard your voice. But will you, will you tell us anyway? that this was for each one of us. Father, we're so thankful that, you're, that you've done this for the world, for you so loved the world that you gave us your son. And I thank you that you've loved me so, they gave, so you gave us your son. I pray that each one of us would take a really, really strong, healthy, beautiful step forward to the personal love that you have for us on this Easter Sunday. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. We're going to sing one more song together. This is a, a song, Behold Him, that we have been singing here at Ascent for the last month or so. It's to take note. Stand up and take note. And we want to sing a song about standing up Take note, this is personal. His love that he showed on Easter Sunday is personal for you today. Let's sing one more song together. You 